Hi everyone and welcome back to another Beena 007 Movie Reviews, today with a slightly different format. Rather than just giving you 10 minutes spoiler free on a particular movie, I'm going to talk about three films that are out on release in the UK today, Friday the 10th of November. The first is The Florida Project, the second is Professor Marston and The Wonder Woman, and the third is Marjorie Prime, all very different and in different ways worthy of your attention. There are, of course, far too many releases to talk about in any particular week, but I'm particularly looking forward to perhaps viewing The Man with the Iron Heart, which is a British independent thriller about the assassination of Reinhard Heydrich in World War II. I'm also looking forward to seeing Paddington 2 because that was just an adorable family film and I can't wait to see the sequel. Arrested a lot. These are the rooms we're not supposed to go in. But let's go anyway. <laughs> Could you give us some change, please? The doctor said we have asthma and we gotta eat ice cream yeah. right away. Here you go. Hey, Lee, got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. Water balloons thrown at tourists. <laughs> Okay, so that was a little clip from The Florida Project. This is a movie that I saw at the London Film Festival recently, and it absolutely stole my heart. It's a beautifully observed social drama that's both funny, heartwarming, and appropriately really emotionally tough to watch because basically it's about kids being raised on the margins of society in families that are splintered that are poor impoverished living hand-to-mouth existences where you live in a motel and you can barely make the rent week to week and they're doing this hence the title of the film in the shadow of disney world in orlando so you have this amazing conspicuous consumption on the one hand these indulged rich world kids getting taken to this beautiful place but we never ever see them what we see are these garishly painted motels which themselves become a kind of wonderful playground because of course when you're a kid you don't necessarily notice what you don't have and everything is a magical world to explore. So the movie's directed by Sean Baker who you might remember made Tangerine last year which was a film shot entirely on iPhone. This one isn't. Um, in fact it's shot by cinematographer Alex Zabe who brilliantly captures that lurid beautiful sunshine of Florida and creates this magical world and it shows a couple of kids living in a motel The star of the film is a little girl played by Brooklyn Kimberly Prince, and she's called Mooney. And she's very precocious. She's the kind of kid that if you hung around her too much would probably really get on your nerves because she has sass and she's got an answer for everything. And she's got lots of energy. And she gets that partly from her mother, Hallie, played by Bria Vinate or Vinayati, I'm not sure how you pronounce her surname, who is not a professional actress. She was someone that the director cast from her Instagram feed. But she really reminds me of a young Asia Argento. She has such energy and such recklessness. And it's a really charismatic performance. And it's a frustrating character in some ways. It's a hard character to depict. Because on the one hand, all that sort of prudish, middle-class bourgeois judgment bubbles up inside as you see her young daughter running riot 
with no boundaries, no sort of ethical lessons being taught. And yet she clearly loves her kid, right? And they, she clearly is trying to do whatever she can to keep their shit together. And as the film progresses, you start to really wonder to yourself what kind of environment Hallie grew up in and whether this is sim- simply a very young, very damaged woman who has a kind of native intelligence and is trying the best she can and is creating in her daughter the very same thing. So from that perspective, it's really quite tragic. Um, there's something, I don't know, wonderfully indulgent when they do get some money because she commits a crime, the mother, seeing them go on this mad shopping spree and in another scene go to a restaurant and order all the food they can possibly eat because a lot of the time they're just hungry. Um, but on the other hand, you just think, how do you get this woman out of this cycle where she either doesn't have money or when she has it, she's feckless with it? Because in many ways, the mother is just as much of a spoiled child as Mooney is. So the result is a film that's partly very funny because these kids are brilliant and, you know, you see them scamming money from tourists for ice cream. Um, And it can play as a kind of a kid's caper movie, like a really jaunty comedy. But there is a social trauma underneath the surface that occasionally breaks through in some very tragic scenes. And... As you get towards the end of the film, you see the real damage that can be done by these kids by not having parental boundaries set. And that leaves it and its ending very ambiguous for me. And I loved that. I love that the director was brave enough to give us this very open ending and that we could bring our own interpretation to it. As I said, like I think the, the, the two central female performances are incredibly strong. But the one that actually really surprised me and is potentially the most awards-worthy, is that of Willem Dafoe. So he plays the hotel motel manager. And, oh, he just drips common sense and humanity. And he's trying to help people who, to a certain extent, don't want to help themselves or don't know how to help themselves. It's a real performance against type. I think he always gets cast as these sort of slightly sinister characters. But he really is the warm, decent heart of this film. And amidst all this dysfunction just gives us hope for humanity so I really think this film is worth watching on so many levels even now a month after I watched it the characters are so vivid to me the colours the setting and even lines of dialogue have really stuck with me and Willem Dafoe really knocks it out of the park so I wholeheartedly recommend The Florida Project I think it's on limited release in the UK right now. It's got a running time of just under two hours, and I think it's rated 15. Dr. Marston, every issue of Wonder Woman is filled with violence, torture, and sadomasochism. This abnormal behavior in your comic is reckless. A woman must not be told how to use her freedom. She must find out for herself. If you want to understand the mind of a woman, you can start with that. You are brilliant, pure of art. Hilarious, ferocious. You are my life. Wonder Woman has a secret identity. Why is that? She has to hide her true self from man's world. What would happen if Wonder Woman's secret identity was revealed? Everything would be lost. I wonder if you were the one with the secret identity. Okay, so on to another film that I saw at the London Film Festival. We've just heard a clip from, and it's called Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. 
And this is basically the tale of how the comic book character Wonder Woman, who has just become one of the biggest grossing films in the box office this year, came to existence. And unlike all those Marvel characters and DC characters, um, high famous comic book creators like Stan Lee, this had a very, very different origin story because Wonder Woman was created by a psychology professor from Harvard who was researching in the 1920s as a pioneer um, relations between men and women and the way in which women in particular use um, submission and domination to get what they want through soft power and manipulation because they don't have hard power in society. And he models Wonder Woman on the two women in his life. The first is his wife, Elizabeth, played by Rebecca Hall, who is an actress that I adore and I just think she, um, year after year, just creates these amazing performances. Her Elizabeth is a strong feminist. She's very smart, very sexy, very strong. And she's equal academically to her husband, who's played by Luke Evans. And they have real chemistry on screen. Into their life comes a student, very naive, very submissive, very sweet, called Olive, and she's played by Bella Heathcote. And the three of them fall into a menage a trois. But I think what's so fascinating about this is that normally when you see that on screen, it's a very erotic thing. But here, while that is definitely the case, it's also clearly love. And they form an incredibly lasting partnership. They have children together, they live together. And it's a beautifully humane and empathetic depiction of a very unconventional relationship. But of course, this being, you know, pre-World War II America, uh, society can't cope with it. And they're run out of Harvard. And this causes the, the brilliant Elizabeth to have to give up her uh, professorial career and become a secretary, go out and work. And Olive becomes kind of the stay-at-home mother in the three. And Professor Marston starts to create Wonder Woman as an amalgam of the characters he sees in the two women around him, the softness and the dominance. After a chance visit to an S&M costuming shop where he sees corsets and bondage kit for the first time, and he creates Wonder Woman. And the idea is that this cartoon is going to give to the children of America lessons in emotional and sexual relationships between men and women that are pioneering and subversive. And it's amazing because I think they brought out a hardback trade book um, of the early Wonder Woman comics last year or the year before, which I bought and read. And it really is quite amazing and very different to the later comic books when all of that subversion had been taken out and, and dumbed down. I mean, there are frames in those comics that look like scenes from Betty Page where Wonder Woman is bound and gagged in that those kind of classic iconic um, poses. So this really is a very subversive thing. And you kind of wonder how Professor Marston got away with it for so long. Of course, he can't get away with it indefinitely. And the framing device of this picture is a moral authority played by Connie Britton from Friday Night Lights. Um, And she kind of is questioning him. And I think we need that character, actually, because although Professor Marston thinks he is doing something very feminist, 
Obviously, there are problems with this because Wonder Woman is very strong, but she's also put in very submissive positions and she does wear this ludicrous costume that is highly sexualized and objectifying. Um, and his wife, Elizabeth, does point this out and challenge him on this. And so does Connie Britton's character. And I think that as a contemporary woman watching this, you want that. You want someone within the frame of reference of the film to be challenging him on this. So as you can hear from my enthusiasm, I think the content of this film is really interesting. And frankly, I would love to read a book on this menage a trois. The problem is, is that the way in which the film is made and constructed is actually pretty banal and pretty conventional. Um, every single directorial choice is obvious. It's banal. The score is very forgettable. The cinematography is not that interesting. Um, the other really bizarre thing is, is that over the 25 year course of this film, nobody ages. And that's particularly problematic with Bella Heathcote, who looks so young as Olive when we first meet her. It's just ludicrous that she doesn't age. And this actually just brings you out of the film. Overall, I would say it is an interesting story. And if you really love Wonder Woman, you'll probably still get value from seeing it. It's not made well. And I won't be rushing out to see another film by the director, Angela Robinson, anytime soon. Uh, the film is on release, however, this weekend. It's got a running time of 107 minutes and is also rated 15. Hello. How are you? Walter, there is someone in my mind. I'm trying to figure out who it is. It's just me. It's just Walter. I still don't like it. What? Dad's been dead for 15 years. Does it bother you that your mother's talking to a computer program or that a computer program is pretending to be your dad? Well, you're a good Walter, either way. Thank you. Creeps me out. It's how she remembers him. I don't want to get you in trouble. You learn I like that. She's nicer to that thing than she is to me. It's your father that she's being nicer to. Are you jealous? Okay, so on to the last film I'll be reviewing this week, also out in the UK this weekend. It's a sci-fi film, incredibly thoughtful, incredibly intelligent, called Marjorie Prime. And it's a film that I saw at the San Francisco Film Festival earlier this year in April. And again, one that stuck with me because it's very provocative, as all good sci-fi should be in its theme. It posits a near future in which artificial intelligence has developed to the point that if you're a grieving person, you can purchase a prime, which is a sort of human-like uh, robot that looks exactly like your dead partner or loved one, and which you can populate with that person's memories so that it feels like you're living with that person even though they've died. But the fascinating thing about this is that they don't come prepackaged with the memories. You kind of have to teach them what you jointly remember by telling them anecdotes and stories. So in this film, the person for whom the, the AI has been bought is Marjorie, played by the wonderful Lois Smith, who's a, an aging woman who is in herself losing her memory. So just as she's interacting with, actually, she's chosen to have a much younger avatar of her dead husband, uh, played by John Hamm of Mad Men fame. She's teaching him their memories. But actually, she's being slippery and she's improving upon them. So she makes the proposal story far more romantic than it actually was. And then fascinatingly, as she starts to lose her memory, 
he then repeats back those anecdotes and that becomes the truth that she understands. So obviously this is a film that's incredibly fascinating about what is the nature of memory and truth and what's the ethics around all of this? Is it okay to rewrite history in order to make someone's life easier and better? The other thing that I think is really interesting in this film is it shows the other humans' reactions to having this AI inserted into their lives. And I think that's something we're all going to have to be grappling with in the decades to come. Marjorie's daughter is played by Gina Davis, and it's hey amazing to see her back on screen. I mean, Gina Davis was huge in the 90s with films like Beetlejuice, and then we haven't really seen much of her. She's initially just horrified by the concept of seeing her mother have this relationship with the prime. But her husband, played by Tim Robbins, sees it as a boon because it's keeping Marjorie vital and engaged in life. But as the film develops, you see uh, other primes being introduced into the film. And then what's really fascinating is that the primes themselves, we learn, can interact with each other and Again, it it just raises such interesting philosophical questions about what is selfhood, what is consciousness, and and where does truth reside, so to say. So I love all of that. I really do. The only criticism I would make of the film is one of style, but I think that's very deliberate. I think the director, Michael Almereda, has, has adapted this stage play and has made a decision to keep it very claustrophobic and confined. So most of the action takes place in a very futuristic, beautiful house. Um, and I think he wants to show us or maybe concentrate our attentions on this, but show us, in a sense, the solipsism of of using tech to sort of recreate an indulgent world rather than moving on with the future. Um, I just found it incredibly slow-paced and incredibly uninteresting visually. And I think it really is just a talking theatrical event in which you're seeing people play with ideas. And you can just really imagine it as a stage play. I just felt that for... 100 minute runtime movie it felt much longer than that and I really struggled to keep my attention with it that said the person who I watched it with absolutely adored it I think he's probably far more into sci-fi than I am so I think when making a decision to see this film you if, if you're into that kind of intellectual austere staged sci-fi where you're really just using the narrative and the characters as something to pin the intellectual discussion upon then you're really going to love this but if you need more richness and weight from your characters and more narrative drive and different occasions then you might struggle a little bit as I did nonetheless it's a really interesting and fascinating movie Anyway, I hope if you choose to see any of these movies this weekend, the one I would obviously recommend so wholeheartedly is The Florida Project. I hope you enjoy them. Um, If you agree or disagree with my take, please feel free to leave a comment on my blog at beena007.com. Otherwise, I hope to speak with you soon. Have a great weekend. (laughs) 